Chapter 6 of A Game of Chance by a Self-Made Man. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 6 The Strange Visitor to the Tool House What shall we do, my son? asked Mrs. Summers in a troubled voice when Will returned to the sitting-room. I don't know, mother. I suppose you'll have to consult a lawyer. I never believed Mr. Rickson to be such a contemptible swindler, he added bitterly. He is certainly trying to do us a grievous wrong, said his mother sadly. Mother, why did father borrow three hundred dollars from Mr. Rickson? Because he wished to secure a strip of ground belonging to the Peasley estate, which lay between the end of our property and the river. He had long tried to get possession of it, for as small as it was, he knew that it would more than double the value of our own land by giving it a water frontage. Until old Mr. Peasley died, the strip of ground was not for sale. The chance to purchase it was suddenly offered to your father, and rather than lose the opportunity, which might not have occurred again, he decided to raise the amount on his note. A contract which he completed just before he was struck down enabled him to return the money to Mr. Rickson before the note matured. Your father was not a suspicious man. He credited others with the same honesty he himself possessed. That's why he did not insist on Mr. Rickson giving up that note immediately. Had he lived, of course, things would have been different. Mr. Rickson never would have dared. I should say not, said Will indignantly. He thinks that because he has a woman to deal with, he can take undue advantage of the situation. You have no idea where that receipt went to, then, Mother? Unfortunately, I have not. You must make a thorough search of the house at once, and I will get Jesse to help you. I will do so, of course. It would be a great misfortune if this property was taken from us to satisfy such an unjust claim. Don't worry, mother. It shall not be taken from you. You speak hopefully, my son, but I fear we are in a sad predicament. There, mother. We'll let the thing drop for tonight. You look for the paper tomorrow. If it hasn't turned up by the time I come home after work, I'll step over to the Fairweathers and ask Jesse to lend you a hand. At this point the Dutch clock struck ten, and presently mother and son retired for the night. The window of Will's room overlooked the river, on whose surface the old October moon shined with a chilly glitter. As Will stood a moment gazing out upon the landscape, he saw what he thought to be a small boat, with a single occupant moving cautiously up the river. "'Gee,' he said, "'rather a cold night to be on the water. I wonder who it is.' The boat approached the summer's landing place. The occupant fastened a line to one of the spile heads and jumped ashore. Then he began to slouch along beside the fence that divided the summer's property from that of the Fairweathers. Who the dickens is he? What is he up to? Will asked himself as the figure cautiously drew near to the house. I don't like his looks for a cent, commented the boy as the intruder paused close to a tall oak tree and a ray of moonlight shone on his face which though young, looked even at that distance, hard and uninviting. The intruder took out a small black pipe, which he deliberately filled with tobacco from a pouch, and then glided behind the tree and sat on the ground, for the glare of a lighted match showed his position. For fifteen minutes thereafter, all that betrayed his presence was the occasional whiff of whitish smoke that floated about the oak as the fellow puffed at his pipe. Will, now decidedly interested in the stranger's movements, felt no desire to go to bed. I'd give something to know what he means by sitting out there under our oak tree on a cold night like this. He doesn't appear to be any too warmly dressed, either. Something evidently is in the wind. 
Does he propose to try to break into our house or the fair weathers a little later on? I fancy he'll get an unexpected and warm reception if he tries it. At this stage of his reflections, the intruder suddenly reappeared around the tree and began a critical survey of the summer's premises. Then he deliberately walked over to a small tool house, stocked with implements formerly used by Mr. Summers when he was alive, and which, since his death, had not been touched. He tried the door. It was found to be locked, of course. After considering a moment, the fellow hauled a tall chopping block up against the side of the shed, mounted it, and pushed in the only window the building had. Then he climbed into the opening and disappeared inside. "'I guess it's time for me to interfere,' said Will resolutely. "'I don't believe he's gone in there to sleep, and I'm not going to have any of my father's things stolen if I can help it.' So, taking his shoes in his hands so as not to awaken his mother, he crept down to the kitchen which overlooked the tool house. "'I'll wait here and see what transpires,' said the boy, putting on his shoes so as to be in readiness to pop out suddenly into the yard. Will was an uncommonly strong and fearless lad, with the most unbound confidence in his own powers. That the intruder might carry a concealed weapon did not occur to him at the moment. Will waited a good quarter of an hour before there were any further developments. Then the visitors had reappeared at the window, and with remarkable agility he swung himself through the opening and dropped to the ground. Will saw the handles of several short tools protruding from his side pockets. That settles it. I've got to stop him. Now how in the name of wonder did he know that was a tool house? One would think he was familiar with our place, yet so far as I can judge he seems to be a perfect stranger in this locality. As a stranger started off for the open gate, Will softly opened the kitchen door and attempted to cut him off from the street. His sudden appearance on the scene startled the intruder for a moment, and he stood stock still. Each had a plain view of the other in the moonlight. "'Will Summers!' ejaculated the young fellow, beginning to back away. His voice had such a familiar ring that the boys stopped and regarded him keenly. The closer view and the bright moonshine did the rest. "'Ed Rickson!' Will exclaimed in astonishment. "'You back?' "'Well, what of it?' replied the fellow with a snarl. "'Ain't this where I live when I'm at home?' "'What were you doing in our tool house just now?' demanded the boy aggressively. "'I didn't think you were a thief, Edrickson. "'Your father wouldn't like to know what you've been up to.' "'My father!' He had reached the fence by this time and laid one hand on it. The two words were uttered with a sneering intonation not pleasant to hear. "'Yes, your father,' repeated Will, greatly surprised at young Rickson's manner. "'Good night!' And with a mocking laugh, Ed Rickson vaulted the paling and darted off down the deserted street at a high rate of speed. It was useless for Will to think of following him. Indeed, once he had recognized Ed Rickson, he had no great desire to do so. After watching his dwindling figure disappear in the gloom, Will went back to the tool house, mounted the block, struck a match, and looked inside. He saw that the lid of one of the chests had been forced open. I'll investigate closer in the morning and see what you've taken, Ed Rickson he said as he closed the window and removed the chopping block. Fifteen minutes later he was in bed, wondering over the strange return to Northport of the black sheep of the Rickson family, and trying to surmise what he was up to at that unseasonable hour of the night. End of chapter 6